0: Today is Pentecost Sunday. We are remembering that and celebrating it, and we're still living in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that started 2,000 years ago. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read most of the entire chapter. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And then they all were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites who dwell in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Fifteen different nationalities are listed. Most of those labels we don't use today, but basically it's everything across northern Africa and all the Middle East as far over as Iran and Afghanistan. All The people from all over that region are in Jerusalem to celebrate the festival or the feast of Pentecost. And they all heard the disciples speaking in their own languages. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? And others mocked them, saying they're just full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Heed my words. These are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants I will pour my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man proved by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. He was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. And you took him with lawless hands and have crucified and put him to death. But God raised him up, having loosed the pains of death, because it is not possible that he should be held by it. And skipping to verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Amen. Amen. I have a photo I want to show you. We live in a day where we absolutely do not trust what we see because everything is photoshopped and manufactured, and so you do not have to believe this photo if you don't want to. But this was uh, a photo from a, a man in our church who in 2000 or 2001, he went on a mission trip to Mozambique, and during a worship service there, flames appeared in the air as they were worshiping. Those of you who know him, you know him. You know that he left here, he went on the trip, he came back, and he showed us this photo. If you don't know him, you do not have to believe this photo if you don't want to. But that is the Shekinah fire of God that came on the apostles in the day of Pentecost. It's the fire that was the sword in the garden. It's the fire that was the pillar of fire over the Israelites as they left Egypt and wandered in the wilderness. It's the fire that Moses saw in the bush that didn't burn the bush up. It's the fire that lived over the Ark of the Covenant in the inner room of the tabernacle and the temple. And it's the fire that came on the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Even if you're unwilling to believe this photo, which again, I truly mean it. It's fine if you don't, because I know you don't know the man that took it, most of you. But... The story that I just read to you in scripture is not a fictional story. It's not a cartoon Sunday school story. It happened to real people. And even if you're not necessarily sure that you believe this photo, we can at least agree that that this is an accurate way to imagine what happened in Acts chapter 2. Can we at least agree on that? As we continue to talk about this story in Acts chapter 2, that's how I imagine it. It's not a cartoon It's not a children's story. It happened to real people and it was real. It was the Spirit of God that was poured out by Jesus when he said, I'm going to the Father so that I can send the Comforter to you and I will anoint you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. So this is the day of Pentecost. This is the day we remember and celebrate and continue in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is god the holy spirit is not optional in our churches Um, we must have the holy spirit or we are wasting our time to quote john bevere he says this there is virtually no christian life without the holy spirit without the holy spirit christianity is dry monotonous and mundane without the holy spirit our labor is draining and wearisome without the holy spirit there is no fellowship with god Remove the Holy Spirit from a church, and one of two things will happen. It will morph into a social club, or it will become a religious institution. Still quoting John Bevere. The truth is, there is no revelation without the Holy Spirit. In fact, without the Spirit, the Scripture becomes deadly, because 2 Corinthians 3.6 says the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. There is no vision without the Holy Spirit. There is no joy without the Holy Spirit. There is no peace without Him. And there is no freedom without the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yeah. So those of us who have made Jesus Lord, which I know is a lot of people in the room, we say Jesus lives in our heart, and that's a kind of a childish Sunday school way of understanding it, but we know that you can't do heart surgery and find a little room there in your valves of your heart and find a little miniature Jesus, all right? We, we know that. Jesus is sitting on the throne in heaven with his Father, but he said, I will send my spirit to you, and it happened 50 days later on the day of Pentecost. Jesus has put his fire in the innermost core of our being. Just as the Holy Spirit fire lived in the innermost Holy of Holies room in the tabernacle in the temple, and then the Bible says you are the temple of God in the very most inner core being of your heart, the place where only you and God can go. In fact, that's what the word holy means, is exclusive. The place that is exclusive for you and Jesus, there is a holy fire. Before you came to Jesus, that room was dark and cold and empty and lifeless. That's the part of you that was dead. Your body was not dead. Your mind was not dead, but your heart was dead. And you came to Christ, and he made it alive, and he filled you with his holy fire. And that is the Holy Spirit. There is a fire in that holy of holies inside of you. Even the person you love the most, the person you trust the most, your very best friend, your most close spouse, there's still something in the deepest core part of you that you cannot share with another person because they can't know you without communication. But Jesus lives there. And you know it. God, the Spirit of God is there. He put a fire in you and that fire is alive. That fire is not an energy force. It's not excitement. It's not a thought. It's not some physical flame. It is a person. And I don't mean a human being, but the Holy Spirit is a person. He is alive. He has a mind. He has feelings. He has thoughts. He has a will and a desire. He has a voice. So he's not a human, but he's a person. He's not a force or an energy or an it or a thought or a feeling. He has a personality, and that person wants you to know him. That person wants to know you. He wants you to know his touch and to experience his love. He wants you to know the life and love and joy and peace of God, the freedom and power Two times in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit's called the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that God is your father, that you have an identity, that you have a name, that he knows you and he loves you, that you're not an outcast, you're not alone. You have somebody that lives inside of you that is always with you and never sleeps. You are not alone. You have a father. In Acts chapter 2, he came upon the disciples as wind and fire and words about Jesus you know, when they came out of the room, they were accused of being drunk, not because they were acting crazy, but because they were speaking in 15 different languages, and the people thought they were babbling, but then they began to pay attention, and they, hey, wait a minute, they're speaking my native language. Everybody spoke their native language and Greek in in the Bible times in those days, and so it's not an accident that Jesus is the word of God and the Holy Spirit is the breath of God so when he comes on you it forces words out of you but the miraculous part is that you don't know what you're saying but they weren't just it wasn't just meaningless babble it wasn't excitement and energy for the sake of excitement and energy they weren't stumbling around in hysterical drunkenness they were really really excited about the love of God they were excited about the Holy Spirit falling on them. And people who didn't understand said they looked like they were drunk, but they were speaking about Jesus. It was meaningful. Can I get an amen or two? It was meaningful, all right? The languages that they spoke in were not ba baba, ba. It was a real language. It was about Jesus. And everybody who could understand them in each of those 15 different languages said, I know what they're saying. They're talking about Jesus the mighty works of God. Yeah. yeah. So in some churches like the assembly of God, it's, you know, it's pretty much a requirement that you're, uh, you're speaking tongues or to prove that you've been baptized in the spirit. And it's a fine thing because in all but one of the instances in Acts, there was tongues or other languages mentioned scripturally. It's totally accurate, but, uh, but I don't require that somebody speak in tongues in our church or to prove that you have the Holy Spirit or anything like that because and you'll know why after I tell you my story but but we're also not looking for some sort of expression or emotion or energy sometimes the Holy Spirit might come with great excitement and somebody might get really fiery and wound up but other times he might come and you might feel very very peaceful and rested like never before you may feel love like never before it may be very calming or it may be very exciting but it will always be about Jesus and it will always be healing to you and revelation of Jesus yeah so I've asked four people with very different stories to tell you their story about how they met the Holy Spirit and got filled with his presence and uh, I picked these people because their stories are so different I want you to see it this is not a mathematical formula it is not a religious system we can't make it happen Jesus said just wait and pray so we wait and pray and God's going to do what he's going to do and just like you relate to every single person you know you relate to them differently and individually because they are an individual God uh, relates to every one of us completely individually he knows exactly what we need and where we're at and he meets every person individually this is not not a formula or if you do this this will happen or A plus B equals C it is you get to know God and he'll get to know you and you'll have some experiences. Yes? yes. You, will, you will not be just religious, but you will encounter God. You will experience the Holy Spirit. You will know that He is real and that He loves you and that He lives inside of you. All right? Jake, we're going to start with you this time. This is Jake Simonis. He's a young man that grew up in our church, moved off to Thailand to be a missionary, came all the way around the globe to uh, tell you his story. So for me... Um when I grew up,
1: my dad was LDS Mormon, and his whole family, and my mom actually came to church here, and so I growing up, I had a lot of tension—go this way or that way, or what do I do? Um, but when I was eight years old, my mom had a prayer meeting in our house, and there's something about the prayer meeting where I just knew that I needed to not follow the Mormon church way, that the way my mom was going was was the correct way. I don't know what it was, but there's just something about it I just knew. And so that night, I told my mom, and my Uncle John was there, and I told them I wanted to receive Jesus. I didn't want to be uh, LDS or Mormon. And so they sat with me, and they prayed, and I... Told that to Jesus, you know, I want you in my life. And then when I was done, they said, would you like to receive his Holy Spirit? He baptizes us in the Spirit and empowers us. And I'm like, sure, okay. (laughs) So they prayed for me to be baptized in the Spirit and to receive the Spirit. And then they asked, you know, one of the gifts is tongues. Would you like to receive the gift of tongues? And I'm going, okay, what's that, you know? So they prayed for me to receive the gift of tongues. And I remember when they did it, it was just like, gibberish words that i'm thinking it wasn't like this overpowering thing coming out of me it was just these words that i was thinking and and i just kind of took a step of faith and began to speak it out and you know within an hour i was running all around the house just speaking and i didn't know what it was but i was eight years old but i just had this peace and joy and i remember because obviously when my dad came back it wasn't all nice and pretty but i remember i was willing to do what it took You know, I was like, nope, this is the right way. Whatever happens with this side of the family, I'm okay. Like, I need this. So it was all at once.
0: All right, next is Susie Miller. Welcome, Susie.
2: Well, I was raised in the Nazarene Church, and... um, I got saved as a very young person and when I became a teenager I decided that I wanted to do things that the church said I shouldn't be doing so <laughs> I walked away from God for several years and when I was about um 25 I came back to the Lord I when I got saved again when I recommitted my life to the Lord, um, he freed me from drugs and alcohol, and um, I couldn't even talk for three days because uh, all the bad words were taken out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, I just um, asked Lord, my sisters are coming in two weeks. I had only been back with the Lord for two weeks. And I was really nervous about it because all three of us girls had been into the hippie movement. And I'd been delivered from all of that and everything that entails. And when they came, I just asked God, please, Lord, give me strength because I cannot get through this without your help. And so... um, I want to say something before I say the rest of this. I was never taught the baptism of the Holy Spirit or any of the gifts of the Spirit as I was growing up. Um, I knew nothing about them. Um, In fact, I hadn't got that far in the Bible yet. (laughs) Anyways. um, (laughs) And I... My sisters came and... um, I told them, I witnessed to them, that I had given my life to the Lord. And so had my husband. And so we were all sitting around on the floor, and I knew they brought drugs with them. They started to pass the pipe. Of course, my husband and I did not take it. And then my sister's boyfriend started talking about um, God in a really horrible way making fun of him and everything. And I, I didn't know anything about what I was saying. I just blurted out, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And I didn't even know what I was saying. And um, God just slayed me in the spirit. I just passed out. And my husband picked me up, and he took me into the bedroom. And uh, laid me on the bed. And as soon as I hit the bed, I woke up and I shot up on my knees. And I saw this flame come through the ceiling. It wasn't like real fire. It was just this flame that came through.
0: And you're absolutely certain you had not been smoking the hash?
2: <laughs> no, I was not. <laughs> and anyways... Anyways, um, it hit the top of my head, and it went down through my body into my feet and came back up this heat. And when it came back up, I started to speak in tongues. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew it was from God. I knew that I knew that I knew it was from God. And I felt washed I was being washed from everything that I had been into. I felt the love of God like I've never felt it before. And, um, and I just thank God for this experience because it not only gave me the strength in my life to serve the Lord the way I should, but it also was a witness to my sisters. Not too long after that, my sister Patty came My sister Sharon hasn't yet, but I know she will. I just want you to know that it did not die with the apostles. It is still alive.
0: Right on. Mike. Here's Mike Saddam. And I'm back.
3: Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I am uh, Mike Saddam. Uh, Thirteen years ago, my wife and I moved out here to Le Grand. We moved out here, and uh, after I met her, um, I gave my life over to Christ. I uh, didn't grow up in a church or anything like that, um, and we've been walking together ever since. Um, what I mean by that is, like sometimes, like God is over here, and I'm like <laughs> over here, but we're both walking in that direction, so we're technically walking together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so that's that's kind of my backstory. Uh, I I took my kids hiking on Friday afternoon. Uh, We went up to Mira, and we were walking around enjoying the beautiful weather, and my five-year-old daughter said, Dad, I want to be baptized. I said, well, honey, you you mean baptized? And she said, yeah, baptized. And I just, I let it go. And I said, well, what do you think that means? You know, let's talk about it. And she said, well, you know, Dad, I just, I love Jesus, and I want him to be with me everywhere I go. And I said, well, what do you feel when you're thinking about Jesus or talking to Jesus or any of that kind of stuff. She said, well, Dad, I just feel all warm inside and all happy, and I just want to dance all the time. Parents out there, have you ever heard something from your kid that you're just like, yes, Yes. you are so smart, and I am so dumb? (laughs) Like they just say it in such a way that you're like, that's exactly what I needed to hear in this moment. You little prophet, you. (laughs) So here seven, eight months ago... um, I actually, and this is something that I hadn't told you before, Um, so before Ken and I went on our big trip in January, I had actually started um, trying to read my Bible more and be better, right, because no matter how good you are, right, in your Christian walk, you could always be better and farther and learn more and do more. So when Ken asked me to go on this trip, and we started praying about it, and and Actually reading the entire Bible and seeing what's in there and not just taking what Pastor Mitch says because he's totally right, but there are other things than what he preaches on Sunday that's in there. Anyway, so it's a part of this whole process of getting to learn more and see more and do more and feel more. And I just remember praying one day, one morning, I was reading my Bible and I just started praying, you know, dear God, help me be a better person, this, that, whatever. And then all of a sudden just like word vomit of stuff that I had no idea what it was and no idea what it meant, but it just started coming out, and I was kind of freaked out, but I just kept going for it because I knew that stopping wasn't going to help, right? And I just kept going, right? And that was kind of my initial indoctrination into, into what it means to be filled with that. You just get this warm feeling. You just feel like you're in a giant hug, and you feel so loved, and you're so happy, and you're so, and it's so funny because my problems didn't go away, right? I still fight with my wife. I still say and do stupid things, right? But it doesn't matter, because I'm just so excited and happy and loved and warmed, and I just want to jump up and down and do cartwheels and things like that, right? And so and dance and do a little jig like that. So that's my story. Uh, it took me a long time to start walking with God, and it took me a long time of walking with God and seeking God and going far away and coming back and going far away and coming back and doing the recommitted thing like six different times um, before I finally got really, really serious about it. And then one day it just Happened. I never wanted to pray in tongues. I, I never... I thought that stuff was crazy. And then it happened to me. <laughs> and it can happen to you, too.
0: All right, here's my wife, Sarah.
4: Well, I didn't have anything quite that dramatic. I re- received my baptism and speaking in tongues from watching a video with my aunt. I would go visit my Auntie Ruth in Idaho in the summers. And she was very much influential in getting me to read my Bible and would ask me, are you reading your Bible every day? Are you spending time with God? And it was just the word, the word, the word. And so I knew she was very word grounded and newer scriptures. We'd read the Bible together when I was with her, um, when we weren't doing chores, she'd want to watch a video or read the Bible together. And that's pretty much what we did. And then when I wasn't with her and we'd talk, she'd continually ask me if I was in the Word. Um, Well, when I went to college, she wanted me to come visit her on one of my Christmas breaks. So I went to see her the first part of the break, and we read scripture like before, but I didn't know she was really preparing me to receive the spirit of the Word. And she started reading scriptures about the holy spirit cuz i really hadn't been taught anything as a kid as far as the gifts and the baptism. So i didn't believe against it, but i believed it's in the bible, so i guess it's true cuz i i was i really believe the word of god is true. So i didn't i didn't think there were parts that you should leave out. So she asked if i wanted to watch this video with her. I said i would. It was this really old man? He just walked through Uh, the scriptures about the Holy Spirit and if you want to have the gift of the Spirit, the Lord's not going to give you something else. You can believe him and trust him. And so then he led us in a prayer. If you wanted to stand up and just, we worshipped to a video. (laughs) Just the two of us. And I did. I just raised my hands and worshipped and I received the gift of tongues. And I said, first service, I didn't feel anything, but I did. I felt a little awkward. Um, (laughs) But I didn't. I didn't feel there was nothing. I had no heat, no nothing. I, but I did just, it was like walking into another room. I just did it. I just walked forward. And so over the next couple weeks at home, I continued to speaking in tongues on my own and growing in it and being excited that I had that and not really even expecting anything else. Well, my aunt had given me a book that I started reading on the airplane back to Arkansas, and it was called Good Morning, Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. And I don't think I've ever been affected by something more than that book. It I cried. I'd never cried like that before in front of people on the plane. I'm weeping. I'm I'm snotting all over. I'd read more and I'd weep again and cried in the Denver airport on my layover. I just I remember being so overcome by his love and his presence and his goodness. So my, my experience with receiving the baptism didn't just come at one time. It kind of was a continual thing. So, okay.
0: so those of you who know uh, my story, you've heard bits and pieces of this before, but I grew up in a church that denied the presence of the Holy Spirit. Doctrinally, the term is cessation. The people that believe that the Holy Spirit's still around, but he doesn't do anything miracles and prophecies and tongues and baptism of fire and all that stopped when the last apostle died i grew up in that church i went to university at a christian college that uh, by a denomination that teaches that and i was told that the pentecostals and the charismatics were crazy they were just emotional they'd go and stir themselves up and be wild and call it the holy spirit and a lot of that is true but it was emotion, it was fake, and tongues were of the devil, and Oral Roberts faked his miracles, and Benny Hinn faked his miracles, and, and all this. And my mom told me that if I went to a church where they spoke in tongues, they would pull my tongue out and make me speak in tongues. In high school, I was friends with the pastor's son from the local Assembly God Church, and I went and visited one time. I was really nervous to go because I was afraid of what, was gonna, what I was going to see and what was going to happen. And because I was from a church where it was piano and organ and you, you knew exactly when to stand and when to sit and and everything was very sober and quiet and sure enough I got there and there's guitar and drums and people raising their hands and a few people were hooting and hollering and running around and banging cymbals and, and things and, and I, the one woman that everybody in town knew was absolutely crazy, um, sure enough she was there and she's running around and being very loud and three or four weeks probably, two, three, four weeks after I went to visit their church. She confirmed all of my prejudices. God told her, and I'm putting that in quotes, God told her to leave her husband and her six kids and marry another man. And so that was just proof to me that the Pentecostals were crazy and and I should have nothing to do with them. So I moved off to Arkansas to go to college and And by the leading of the Lord, it still is amazing to me how it happened. But I ended up in a church, it's called Completing Christ, it was in a barn up in the Ozark Mountains uh, of Arkansas, and I walked in and and there's guitar and drums and keyboard and people are clapping and raising their hands, but there wasn't people being wild, it was just way more than I was used to, I was really afraid the rattlesnakes were going to come out of the bag in a little bit, but that never happened, but... Uh, It made me very nervous to just the freedom and the expression of the people in this church. But what I could not write off at all was the love that they had for each other and for God. And particularly the men of the church loved each other and they loved me. And I was from a church where men were sober and quiet and they had a scowl on their face perpetually at church and they shook hands and it's good to see you, brother. And, and these guys were giving hugs and smiles and patting each other on the back and they welcomed me very warmly and I, I couldn't not go every Sunday. And I remember you know being terrified to raise my hands where I eventually, after a few months, I felt like maybe I wanted to, but I felt like the whole world was looking just at me. You know, close my eyes really tight and kind of do this, you know? <laughs> you know, or maybe one of these. You know, Tim Hawkins has this whole skit that he does about... But eventually, you know, I got, got the full, you know, hand raise and going on, but... But um, this was a church that practiced and believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they told me this is what this is. This is the life you're seeing, and the difference between our church and what you grew up in is is the Holy Spirit, but I was terrified. I was, still had a lot of prejudices. I was very, very afraid of it, and really mostly of what I was afraid of was giving up control. I did not want to fall down. I don't know why that was such a big deal to me now, but because 25 years later, it makes no sense, but... I was very afraid to fall down. I I did not want to look like a fool. But I couldn't write off these guys. They're not flakes. They're not emotion. What they believe is real. Their Christianity is orthodox. Doctrine is true. And they love each other. And they love me. and, And we had real community and unity in our church. Like like I'd never had before, and so uh, sometime in 96 or 97, there was a service where the pastor was going to pray for people who'd never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and Sarah had at that point, but there was a whole bunch of us college students that had not, and so we went to this, I think it was a Sunday night service, and we went and we stood in line, and I was trembling, but it was not the power of the Holy Spirit, it was sheer terror. Uh, I was sweating bullets, and I'm in the middle of the line, and he begins to lay hands on people and pray for people and nothing happened. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I can relax a little bit. And, and he gets to me, and he lays hands on me, and nothing happened. I didn't feel a thing. Nothing happened. And he goes on down the list, down on the line, and nothing happened. And and I was like, oh, okay, well, it was, I didn't have, need to be all worried about it. But then I was like, okay, well, what's up with that, God? <laughs> I got up the guts to do this. And and what, i not qualified or something? Uh, you don't love me or, you know, what? do I not believe enough or, you know, whatever. And and I, I actually kind of felt that I had uh, maybe I had some sin that it had disqualified me or whatever. And so that began then a process of beginning to want it because it didn't happen. And I, okay, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to push into this a little harder. But I had a lot of brainwashing to overcome. I had a lot of uh, prejudices and fear and pride to overcome. So for several years I would fast, I would pray. There was several times before Sarah and I were married where at night I would kneel down by my bed and I would say, Okay, God, I am not getting up until you baptize me in the Spirit. And in five minutes I would be asleep. You know, it just it was really, really dedicated prayer that I was. And so we got married and we moved here in ninety nine and I'm still having to push into this and I had to stand on that verse where Jesus said, If you ask for a fish, I will not give you a snake. If you ask for a fish, I will not give you a snake. If you ask for bread, I will not give you a stone. Okay, okay, this isn't the devil. It isn't deception. It isn't crazy. You know, there are crazy people, but this is not crazy. I want what God has. Whatever is real, I want. I don't want the counterfeit. I don't want the craziness. I want whatever is God. And so I, again, I fasted and I prayed and 2000 or 2001 i suppose pastor tom had a guest preacher in and we had an evening sunday evening service and it was a very old pentecostal preacher i believe his name was george but i'm not really sure but he preached on the baptism of the holy spirit and and the anointing of fire and and then he came down here and he said now whoever wants this come up right now and I'm going to lay hands on you and this is back in the day when we had a center aisle in our chairs and I was the first one up the aisle. I came up here I was ready I my most of my pride and fear uh, you know been working through that for years I really truly did want it. And there's a line of people behind me I'm the first one I come right here and he's standing here like this and he, and he, and we're kind of like locked eyes and he I mean this guy he's an old man but he was fiery he was he was ready to to release the Holy Spirit, and he puts his hands like this, like he's going to put a hand on my shoulder and a hand on my forehead, and I get right here, and he stops, and he says, oh, you've already got it, and he shoves me out of the way and (laughs) prays for everybody else in line, and he won't pray for me, and I'm just standing over here like, huh, seriously, it was very reassuring, but it was really frustrating, This total stranger who doesn't know me from anybody, he knows none of my backstory, nothing I've been praying or fasting or wanting or being afraid of, nothing. And he says, oh, you've already got it, and pushes me out of the way and won't pray for me. (laughs) Okay, God, so I've already got it? What does that mean? (laughs) Because nothing had ever happened, and I I thought it probably should, you know, or should have, you know, and so... So, looking back now, I can say, Jesus said, when you ask for anything in my name, I will give it to you. It happened when Pastor Vinny in Arkansas prayed for me for the baptism of the Spirit. But nothing physical or emotional happened. It just, but the Holy Spirit came on me. I, that has to be when it happened because that's when we asked. Not brain surgery science here. You know, it's it's, it's what happened because it's it's when we asked. And so... I was reassured by that, but still, God, I've never spoken in tongues. I've never had any fire feeling or anything like people describe. And and I even knew Sarah's story. Some, and you know, she'd fallen down before involuntarily, and she'd spoken in tongues. And I thought, man, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. So when our kids were real young, I'd get up in the middle of the night and I'd kneel in front of the couch and I'd be praying and I'm like, God, I. I had received the teaching about okay, it's God, yes, but it's your mouth. You have to open it and let Him fill it. You have to speak, and and let Him fill. And so, you know, I'd it was it was such a fight. It was such a hard push. And you know, maybe a syllable or two would come out, and shabah, you know, or something. And I'm like, okay, that can't be the Holy Spirit. I did that. I made that up. And I'd be in an argument with myself while I'm praying. Like, like come on. But I just had to believe that I asked, so he was giving it to me. This is what faith is. I have to believe that I'm not making this up, and it is God, and I asked for a fish, I'm not going to get a snake. So eventually, it became much more fluid and natural and flowed out, but, but it's, I've never had a feeling where I was overcome. I've definitely had feelings where I, like, pray right now, do this, um, pray in the Spirit. But I don't, I don't go into some ecstatic experience or a trance or I can do it while I split firewood I can do it while I drive I can do it in the shower and I can turn it on and off anytime I want it's a decision of my will and it's my tongue and it's my faith but it's still the Holy Spirit the only time I ever had an experience of feeling anything I guess uh, like a baptism would would be uh, also 2000 or 2001 I where our family was going through some terrible stuff and I was really angry and emotional and hurting really bad and I for about an hour, I laid on my back on our living room floor by myself and had some worship music on, just kept replaying the same Leonard Jones Morning Star song. Over and over and over again, I'm, I'm worshiping, I'm crying, I'm venting at God. And, and something of his love came on me that I've never experienced before or since. I felt his love like, like I was laying on the, on the beach on the very edge of the surf. And I just felt these very calm, peaceful waves of love. Come over, I physically felt it as i 'm laying on my back i wasn 't in some altered state. I was totally aware of the room around me, but I felt like I was floating. I felt very light and I did not float it 's not what i 'm saying, but uh, I felt light and and I felt his love, his reassurance uh, i've never felt that love uh, I had that feeling of love um, before or since it was wonderful, so I would say that was the moment when I had a A sense or an an experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've had other miracles since then when I've prayed for people to be baptized in the Spirit. They describe it as electricity. Some people describe it as fire. It's different for everybody. I felt wind one time as I was praying for a lady right here against that wall. There was a blast of wind that hit us. Like I said, everybody's experiences are different. We've had uh, people in our house, in our young adults group we've prayed for them and they've gotten so happy and lighthearted. it really was like they were drunk just like in Acts 2 you know they weren't out of their mind they weren't drunk but they were just really happy and lighthearted and full of the love of God and I asked them should I get you a ride home because I don't think it's safe for you to drive <laughs> like no I'll I'll get control of it I'm just enjoying it Holly can I tell your story prayed for Holly years ago in our living room for baptism of the spirit and nothing really happened in that moment but days later weeks later sometime you're in the mill in Elgin working and she said that the whole room began to spin she just waited down with the love of God the the presence of God came on her very strong and I remember her telling me I should not have been working with those machines (laughs) Uh, because just she was so overcome with the love of God it was not it's not a mindless experience like drunkenness it isn't drunkenness but it feels and looks like that from, to somebody on the outside, and sometimes people can't stand up straight. Uh, my friend Oyvind, who's a Norwegian missionary in northern Canada, those of you who've been around here long enough, you remember he's been here. He was uh, young in his 20s. It happened in Europe somewhere. He said the house was so full of young people listening to a man speak that he was actually upstairs around the corner. He couldn't even see the man speaking, but he was talking about the Holy Spirit, and he said the house was just Full of the Spirit of God. And this man was preaching and praying for people. And he said, Fire came out of that man and up the stairs. It wasn't visible. Nobody else saw it. But he said, I saw it. It came up the stairs and it went into my belly. And I was on fire. I was burning with the love and power of God. And I think he said he couldn't even speak Norwegian or English for three days. You know, he was so overcome with excitement and the love of God and the power of God. So everybody's experience is different. Mine took years of pushing through prejudices and fears. Other people like Susie or or Oyvind, seem to be just sort of arrested without even knowing what's going on. Like Sarah had to seek it and receive it and pray into it. And so everybody's is different because you are completely unique and God knows you. He knows exactly who you are and where you are and what you need. Amen. Amen. I know that you've experienced things that made you uncomfortable, things you thought were fake. And sure, there are people who get extra wound up and, and are just wild to be wild. That's not the Holy Spirit, but sometimes it is. The Holy Spirit is not energy and excitement and an expression just for that sake what when God hits you it's pretty exciting but it will always be about Jesus it will always be full of Jesus so whatever is real we want I don't want fake I don't want hysteria I don't want emotion for the sake of emotion emotion is not wrong but I don't want to just come to church to get wound up and run around and bang a tambourine if the Lord wants to come on me and knock me down, which he never has done. It's never happened. I'm like, okay, God, now I'm not afraid of it. It'd be kind of nice if it happened maybe once in a while, you know. <laughs> I've felt it before. I felt it. Sarah and everybody else around me went boom, and I felt it. And I'm I'm not somebody who's going to dream that stuff up. Uh, just, it's, it either happened or it didn't, and I felt it. It's real, but I just didn't fall. Anyway, I just hey, God, whatever is real, I want. Whatever is you, I want. Even if it's scary or mysterious or even a little foolish, I want it. But it will always be about Jesus. It will always be meaningful. Tongues is not, when people are speaking in these other languages, in Acts chapter 2, they are speaking real languages. And they are telling people about Jesus. But the miraculous part is, that proves it's God, is that I don't know the language I'm speaking in, but the person who's hearing it knows it. Right, And in, and in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, Paul says, if we speak with the tongues of men and angels but don't have love, we're just making sound. Right, The tongues of men and angels. All real Holy Spirit tongues is a real language. I don't, I have no knowledge of the language of angels. I don't know. But it's a real language. There's heavenly language. The Bible says so. Somebody who gets ecstatic and starts vibrating and that's not tongues all right it's a real language it's about jesus it's about jesus it's about the testimony of god you will not know what you say in fact paul says that he says you can pray with your understanding or i can pray with the spirit and when i pray with the spirit he says i do not understand what i'm saying but it is about jesus it's real pastor duane our previous pastor said that in his testimony, telling his testimony when he got saved and baptized in the Spirit, he said, what came to me was, I, th- it was real short, like three or four words. And he would just repeat them over and over again because that's all that was there. And he's telling that story in a service one time, and he said whatever it was that when he was speaking in tongues, he said what he said back when he was first saved. After service, a woman came up to him and she said, say that again, what you said in tongues, say that again. And so he said it to her and she said, I don't remember the exact details, but her son lived overseas as a missionary or a businessman. I don't remember. But she said, you are saying Jesus is Lord in the language of the people where my son lives. So to him, it was meaningless babble, but she knew the language. And she said, you are saying Jesus is Lord. You're talking about Jesus. Those of you who know Sarah's cousins in Tanzania, Pastor Dan and Melinda. Melinda's been here, I think, three times. Dan's been here once. So, you know, these are people, I'm not repeating stories of people I don't know. Pastor Dan, Sarah's cousin's husband, they're in Tanzania. He works in all of southern Africa and their main church is in Dar es Salaam. They have three services in English and Swahili and Chinese. He has to use an interpreter for Chinese because he doesn't speak that but he speaks English and Swahili and a couple other languages. Swahili is an artificial language that was invented a couple hundred years ago for the Africans to be able to trade when they would communicate with the, uh, and they with each other and with the Portuguese and and other trader um, ships and things. So Swahili is, everybody knows Swahili, and then they all have their native language. He preaches in Swahili because everybody understands that. And I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, uh, he's preaching in the Swahili service, and inside the Holy Spirit says, stop preaching, leave your notes, and speak in tongues. So he'd done that before at the leading of the Spirit, but he begins, he just pauses on the sermon, begins to walk back and forth across the stage, he says, and he's praying in tongues, and he's speaking in tongues in front of the whole audience. And he said, this time it went on for nearly 20 minutes, which is way longer than usual. When this happened to him, the Holy Spirit just was there, just kept coming. So he's going on, not having a clue what he is saying, he's just letting the Holy Spirit speak. And then it kind of drops off inside, like, oh, okay, well, it's gone, all right. So he goes back to his notes, back to his sermon in Swahili. After service, there's some Maasai men. He said, we're in the back of the room. They come running up to him. The Maasai live in Kenya and Tanzania. They're the lion hunters, the, guy that's, the guys that kill lions with spears in their bare hands. These are really awesome men. They're in the back of the room. They come running up. Pastor Dan, Pastor Dan, you never told us you spoke Maasai. Like, I don't. He says, yes, you do. You just did. When did I speak Masai? Well, right there in the middle of your sermon. He said, guys, I had no idea what I was saying. He said, no, you spoke perfect Maasai. Guys, I was speaking in tongues. I had no idea what I was saying. What did I say? Well, you just repeated the first half of your sermon again. (laughs) Word for word. He said, you didn't miss a syllable. You just repeated the same thing again in our language. So they understood Swahili the first time. Then he spoke in their language, but he didn't know what he was saying. Paul says, when I pray in tongues, my understanding is unfruitful. It's a mystery. It's strange. The first time, it's a little bit weird maybe or scary, but it's real. It's about Jesus. It's the power of God. It may be attended by very exciting emotions or lots of tears, or it may just be, I'm going to lay on the floor and be super calm and rested for the first time in a long time. Whatever it is, however the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you, it might feel like water, it might feel like fire, it might feel like love, it might feel like energy, it might feel like a release of all sorts of like Susie said, getting washed of all the dark things you've done in the past. Everybody's experience is going to be unique. But it isn't empty emotion. It is full of Jesus emotion. It's real power. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ. Whatever is God, we want. Whatever you've seen that you thought was fake, fine. Whatever you've seen you thought you were afraid of, get unafraid. Maybe it's just going to happen to you like it did for Susie or Mike. Maybe you're going to have to press into it a little bit like I did. Here's what we're going to do. Worship team, you want to come on up? We're going to worship into this, and we're going to invite the Spirit of the Lord. We're going to ask the fire to fall and the rain to fall. And after a bit, I'm going to invite the people who gave their testimony to come up and stand here, the prayer team and some others, and we'll be available to pray for you for whatever.